This is Messages from the Middle. I'm Wendy Parrish. This is episode number 28. It's okay that you're not okay. Have you noticed that people don't usually share their struggles until they're over? It's not until they've defeated their dragon and marched victoriously home that they share their story. Well, I'm not one of those people. My name is Wendy Parrish, and I am in the middle of my story. From the middle, I've learned a few things, and I would like to bring you into my story. This is the good, the struggle, the light, the dark, and the lessons learned. This is Messages from the Middle. Hello, and welcome to Messages from the Middle. Thank you so much for joining me today, and happy October. I used to hate October, like I hated October. I hated any time that felt like it had to be social or you weren't having fun. So I didn't love Halloween, especially after like you stopped trick-or-treating until I had kids for two reasons. I have two October babies and Halloween suddenly became so much fun. And two of my kids say Halloween's their favorite and then they pause and go, after Christmas. But October has suddenly become really fun. And I have to admit, I do love sweater weather. And I do love the leaves. They're so beautiful right now. I was just in Utah a week ago, and I just could not get over how amazing the leaves are in Utah. And Missoula's doing a pretty good job showing off right now. And we have, they're called larch trees. So they're pine trees. And the pine needles turn yellow and fall off. And it is absolutely gorgeous. I've I've called it my Missoula Consolation Prize as long as I've lived here because they just, they do. They make me happy. They make it all worth it. Before I get into the episode, I just wanted to mention a few things. I said at the end of one of my episodes, I think it wasn't the last one, the one before, that I want to hear your story. And I really do. I firmly believe that every single person has a story and I would love to share your story here on the podcast. So if you have a mental health journey that you're currently on or that you've been on, or if you're a caretaker and a, or a loved one of somebody who is on a mental health journey, and that can be anything, then I'd love to have you on the episode. I'd love to talk to you. So you can reach me. You can DM me on Instagram. I'm at child songbird. Or you can send me an email. It's wendy at messagesfromthemiddle.com. And while I'm asking for things, it would really mean a lot to me if you would leave a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. And more importantly, while the ratings and reviews are really great, they really, really do help get your podcast out there. They will bring it to the forefront. They'll recommend it to people. But also, if you would just share this with somebody if you're listening and there's something that uh, that sticks out to you and you think it would help somebody else, that would be great. There's so many ways you can do it. Just send it to somebody. You can screenshot while you're listening to it and put it up on your Instagram stories or Facebook or whatever you happen to use for social media. I really only do Instagram. So sorry. Oh, I guess I auto post to Facebook, but I mostly only do Instagram. Anyway, with all of that being said, I'm excited for this week's episode. I've called it, it's okay that you're not okay. Because 
I've noticed a lot of people when I talk to them as they share some of the struggles that they're going through, there's a lot of guilt and apologies for feeling negative emotions or avoidance of negative emotion. There's a phrase that we say a lot in the coaching world, and I've heard it in the therapy world as well. And that phrase is, what you resist persists. Does that make sense to you? Do you know what that means? If you, if you think about that for a little bit, does that make sense? The more you avoid something, the more it's still there. It's like that little kid who covers their eyes and says that you can't see me, even though you're obviously still there. Or that if you plug your ears and close your eyes, that, you know, things will just go away, but they don't. What I've noticed in my own life and in the lives of people that I've coached is what we tend to resist the most is our negative emotions. And of course we do. We do this for several reasons. One being that these negative emotions don't feel good. These emotions get categorized as negative for a reason. And another one is that our society is telling us not to feel these emotions. How many times do you hear, oh, don't be sad, or just look on the bright side, or there's a silver lining to every cloud, or, well, why can't you just be grateful in this situation? Or all things happen for a reason. And just straight up, these are emotions you should never feel. You should never feel resentment, anger, disgust, hate. All of the time we are told just don't ever feel these emotions. I remember this a lot in infertility, especially when I was doing it for my third child. We would hear all the time, well, can't you just be grateful for who you have, for the children you do have? And it was like, of course I'm grateful for the children that I have. It's not like they're not good enough. I need to try for more. It was that they're so amazing. That's why I want more. And that's what I said all the time. I'm like, hey, If I wasn't grateful for those kids, I wouldn't be trying to have another one. It's because they've been so amazing, I want more. Phrases like, cheer up, don't be sad, look on the bright side, while well-intended, miss a really critical point for our mental health. We need the negative to understand the positive. There has to be an opposition to everything, right? That's like a law of physics, even. Without darkness, we wouldn't know light. Without sadness, we wouldn't understand joy. There's an opposite to everything for a reason. If you're happy all the time, you don't know that you're happy all the time. So it stands to reason that there's two sides to all of our emotions. Peace is the opposite of anxiety. Sad, opposite of happy. Anger the opposite of contentment. And when you hear those two emotions listed side to side, which one do you want to feel? I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that you're thinking I'd rather feel the peace, the happy and the contentment. And that's great. However, it's important to know that those negative emotions, those negative emotions are also good for you. And they serve a purpose in your life. In fact, in many cases, it's your body trying to tell you something. 
one example of why negative emotion is good for you is when you're seeking a sense of meaning and you're on a personal growth and trying to understand yourself and who you are, you need to confront hard things in life. Unpleasant feelings are just as crucial as the enjoyable ones in helping you make sense of life's ups and downs. One of the primary reasons we have emotions in the first place is to help us evaluate and learn from our experiences. Like, did you ever consider that taking the good and the bad together are an important step to healing and to finding the meaning in your life? Had you ever considered that? In fact, sometimes really confronting the bad is how you really find the meaning in what you are experiencing in this life. The more we fight against and resist certain emotions, the more they're going to show up for you. Even if you fight to push them out of your conscious mind, your subconscious is going to keep them alive and well and thriving. What you resist persists. So let's look at anger and sadness, for example. Both of Both of these emotions are an important part of life, and accepting these emotions are vital to cultivating good mental health. Attempting to suppress thoughts of anger and sadness will backfire and suppress and even diminish your sense of contentment. You need to acknowledge that life is complex, and these negative emotions are part of that complexity. Why are you feeling sad? What is that sad telling you? Are you missing something? Are you missing out on something? Do you miss someone? Sometimes that sadness shows you how much you love a person. Sometimes that anger shows you how important something is in your life. And without those emotions, you'll miss out on this beautiful complexity in life. In the art world. And interestingly, I first learned this related to music, but it is actually more of a painting and an art term. And that's chiaroscuro. And that's light and dark. And the best art, the best music has the light and the dark. Since I speak music, I'm going to say a lot of times what you feel as the glue of what's holding a song together, what's making you really feel it, is that baseline, the darker notes, the darker feelings. When you're listening to music, when you have a minor chord or a dissonant sound, without that dissonant sound and then the resolution, some of the most beautiful music that we listen to wouldn't exist. And I can promise you, your favorite songs have either a very dark baseline or they have that dissonance. They have those notes that just aren't quite right, but then when they resolve, you feel that feeling of, yes, that's what made it beautiful. Without it, you would miss something. You would miss something really beautiful. A few years ago, I dove into learning about Buddhism. So stay with me here. It's all going to come around. It's going to make sense. I promise. Buddhism starts with the Four Noble Truths, and these are the Four Noble Truths. And their translations vary, so I'm going to kind of give you the different translations. Number one, life does not satisfy. 
which is often simplified to life is suffering. Number two, suffering is caused by desire and attachment. Number three, if you can eliminate desire and attachment, you can eliminate suffering. And number four is the Eightfold Path is the way out of suffering. And the Eightfold Path is a list of virtues and actions that you can take that will bring you to a point where you no longer feel desire and attachment and can avoid suffering. Often these Four Noble Truths are oversimplified by we Westerners. So I'm going to see if I can give a little bit of clarity to show how this Buddhist ideal really helped me with understanding how and why we need to experience our negative emotions. Suffering and pain come from three different areas in life. This is according to the Buddha, but it's going to resonate with you, I promise. The first is from the nature of being a human being. We have a physical form and we're going to have physical and mental pain from sickness and getting old and death. And the second is pain we will feel because everything is impermanent and it changes. And the third is the pain of living in a conditioned existence and we all die. At no point did the Buddha teach that we all need to not feel pain or suffering. He's not saying that we need to avoid desire and attachment so that we just don't feel it all. That's not what he's saying. It's that desire and attachment that causes the pain. In fact, the suffering he's talking about is when we go to the second noble truth, and that's that real suffering is caused by desire and attachment. What that means is desire is pulling something towards you and attachment is I'm trying to think if I can do this. And attachment is either pushing it away or keeping it attached to you. So there's pulling in and pushing away is basically those two different ways of looking at what he's saying is causing suffering. Okay, hopefully that made some sense. It's kind of a lot, but this means when an emotion, when I'm talking about these emotions, when an emotion comes to us, that we don't want to feel, we're going to push it away. We're going to try to get it away from us, not feel it, not want it. Or when we're having an emotion that we like, we're going to try to hold on to it and white knuckle it. And emotions are like clouds in the sky. They're going to come and they're going to go and we just need to allow it to happen. And all of the standing there screaming at the sky is never going to give you the ability to stop the clouds from coming and from going. Okay, so hopefully that made some sense. Um, It actually took me a long time to get this because the idea of eliminating all desires and attachment, it doesn't feel right when you think about your family and your loved ones. Like you're not supposed to feel attached to them. You're not supposed to feel, you know, a desire to be around people that you love. There's something that just didn't feel right about that. But it's more in the sense of not allowing things to be what they are. So here's an example. The best example I have is for me, my babies growing up. I was one of those moms who cried every single time one of my kids grew out of their size of clothes. Getting rid of baby toys, baby strollers, all the baby things was excruciating for me. I cry every time they move up a grade in school. 
I am like crushed and devastated the night before their birthday. And I really cry now looking at baby pictures. Like I literally will look at baby pictures and be like, that's just torture. I'm creating my own suffering by clinging to a time in life that is fleeting. It serves its purpose. It moves on. Children grow up. They need to grow up. I got to grow up. Why shouldn't they get to grow up? Having my children live and be children and be babies has given me the gift that it was meant to give me. And now it's time to move into the next phase and the next gift. But this feeling of desire and attachment is me pushing away at reality and pulling into the past. Hopefully that clarified it just a little bit more. So now when we're talking about emotions, hopefully this makes a little bit more sense when I talk about that pushing away or pulling in. I'll start, let's just talk about the emotion of anxiety because, you know, that's a big one. Everyone talks about anxiety all the time. And I know how painful anxiety is. I used to think of it just as being like the feeling before I went on a scary ride at an amusement park or the feeling right before I went on stage. But I have since learned that that's not even close. In fact, that feeling was more like excitement mixed with a little bit of fear, but it was the good kind of fear. It was like the fear that like gets you excited because you're going to do it anyway. Anxiety is not about that. It's not even close. Anxiety is not being able to breathe. It's this feeling of fear and not even knowing what you're afraid of. Anxiety makes me want to cry and it keeps me awake and it feels physically painful. And anxiety is trying to tell me something. Anxiety is trying to tell you something. But what do you want to do as soon as you start feeling anxious? I'll wait. You can, you can write up a few things. Just kidding. I'll answer that for me. You can answer it for yourself. These are some things that I have done and that I've heard other people will do when they feel anxiety. Go with and stay on the sunny side approach. Just think happy thoughts. I used to just sit there and list out my gratitudes. If I just sit here and list out all my gratitudes, this anxiety will go away. In fact, even telling myself the reason I was feeling anxiety was because I wasn't grateful enough. I just tell myself everything's fine. Everything's fine. Everything's okay. I would just start to think of anything else. I would turn on the TV. Uh, luckily, most of the time, these are ones I don't go to, but these are other ones that have come up for lots of other people. Eating food, drinking alcohol, playing video games, partaking in drugs, illicit drugs, or even prescription drugs for the use that they are not intended for. And I'm going to talk a little bit just for one moment about anti-anxiety medications. They are okay and they serve a purpose and they will definitely help you when you're having a panic attack or something like that. If you are feeling anxiety and you are able to sit in that feeling and feel that feeling and allow it to be there and process it without taking the medication, you can help end a negative dopamine loop, which I've talked about before, but that's basically where you feel a feeling 
And then you give the body dopamine that it always is craving and always wants. And so then you go into this feel of feeling, give it something that it wants, and then it's just going to keep going that way. Instead of feeling a negative feeling and processing it, working through it and allowing it, then you give your body more of the slow dopamine, more of the right kind of dopamine, and that way you help avoid addiction. Just thought I'd throw that in there. I've talked about it before on other episodes, but it's always worth mentioning. And by the way, we're going to talk about this processing of emotion here. It's coming, I promise you. So some of these things are buffer buffering and other of these things are just toxic positivity, which is another form of buffering. And buffering just means you are putting something between you and the uncomfortable thing that you don't want to feel. Usually what's happening with anxiety is there's just a whole bunch of emotions that you're not allowing and taking the time to process. So anxiety has to jump in and really get your attention. It has to say, hey, hey, I'm big and I'm loud and I'm obnoxious and you will feel me and you will hear me. Again, I'm going to speak from my own experience. It took me years to realize that my anxiety was coming from grief. Grief that I didn't even have a name for. Grief that I couldn't even identify or know that that's what was going on because it wasn't an emotion that I thought I got to feel. And so all of the emotions that are bundled up in grief, and there's so many, I feel like grief is literally all of them. It's anger and it's sadness and it's fear and it's pain and it's hurt. And it's, I just, I mean, I'm literally looking at the emotion wheel and they're all just kind of there and they're just showing up. That's grief. And I was not allowing it. And so anxiety had to show up with her sphere and her shield and jump up and down and get my attention so that I would stop and start working pretty much from the top down. We had to work through the anxiety, work through the depression, work through all these layers to discover that I have not been allowing grief or processing grief. And I'm, I'm deep in it. I'm right in the middle. I'm in the fire swamp in processing grief right now. And then other times anxiety is there because there are things in your life that induce anxiety. You're studying for a big test. You have a big deadline. You or a family member is sick and you don't know what's going to happen. Infertility causes anxiety. Pregnancy causes anxiety. Waiting to adopt causes anxiety. Relationship issues, anxiety. Anxiety is just trying to get your attention and to warn you and get you to stop and give these challenges the time and attention that they deserve. Negative emotions are there to aid in our survival. Bad feelings are vital clues that a health issue or relationship or other important matter needs our attention. Our negative emotions have an actual survival value, which is why suppressing them is pretty fruitless. So, What do we do when faced with negative emotion? The oversimplified answer, allow it. I know those two words make it sound so simple, 
But if you're really practiced at avoiding negative emotion, then it's going to take some work. And this will also be hard if you're deeply embedded in that I need to be happy and positive and grateful all the time philosophy, which by the way, I'm not saying that isn't a good goal, but what I'm saying is that forcing these positive emotions does not get those negative emotions to just go away. They will just get louder and bigger and hairier and scarier. Forcing the emotion of positive doesn't get you to a place of happy and positive and grateful. It actually keeps you farther away from it while also adding an extra layer of judgment and shame. How many times do you hear someone apologizing for feeling angry? Or when you are feeling resentment, you don't say, oh, I shouldn't be feeling this. I know this is a bad emotion. I shouldn't be feeling this. If there's one thing that can make a negative emotion even worse... It's shame and judgment. So the first thing is to just allow the emotion, allow it to be there. And in order to allow it, you need to notice each emotion as it comes. Once again, emotions are like clouds. They will come and they will go. So just let them. And let's be honest, you can't stop a storm cloud from coming. Just notice the emotion It's a huge step towards allowing the emotion to be in your body. And another big step is to identify the emotion, name it. Sometimes we go to the easiest ones to name, such as anger, but anger is usually an emotion that shows up as a result of another emotion. Like me, you're grieving something, but anger is the emotion that you can grab onto and feel and know exactly where it is and call it out. So you might have to pause and dig a little deeper. And you may even need to look at a list of emotions to really nail it down. I actually have a pillow with the emotion wheel on it. I noticed um, somebody that I follow on Instagram has an emotion wheel as a sticker on her laptop, like right next to the trackpad. And the emotion wheel, if you haven't seen it, Google it, look it up. It's really cool because right in the center, it gives you those ones, you know, mad, bad, peaceful, powerful, joyful, scared in the middle. And then it breaks off into the more, I guess, what am I trying to say? Nuanced emotions. From mad, we have critical, hateful, rage, angry, hostile, which then goes to jealous, selfish, frustrated, furious, irritated, and skeptical. So you can really break it down. We can be like, I feel mad. Okay, what kind of mad? Where is it? What other feelings are there? I feel sad. Are you ashamed? Are you feeling miserable? Are you feeling inadequate? Are you lonely? What is, what is the sad? Where is it? And the emotion wheel pillow I have is really awesome. I love it. And it can get even bigger and more nuanced and more words. So I would recommend, you know, just finding some version of it so you can look at it and figure out what the emotion is that you are trying to avoid or what what it is in your body. What are you feeling? Because I can promise you, we feel more than four emotions. We feel a whole spectrum of emotions all the time. So then when you're feeling this emotion that is in your body, 
and you allow it and you name it, then we get to move on into processing emotion. We've talked about this before. I'm going to talk through it again. You take some time. You sit still. I recommend closing your eyes, taking some breaths and start out by noticing it in your body. Where is it in your body? What does it feel like? How big is it? Is it moving? Is it hard? Is it soft? Does it have a color? Name the emotion. Notice, is it moving through your body? Does it fluctuate? Does it pulsate? And then take some time to just allow it to be there and breathe into it. Give it oxygen. Give it what it needs. It needs your attention because it's there for you. It is serving you. I promise you that's why it's there. And you're not going to be able to just like process an emotion once and move on. You may have to do it more. But the more time you give to noticing the emo- these emotions, the more peacefully they'll be able to cohabitate in your body, if that makes any sense. They'll be able to just be there and offer them the information that they need to when they need to. They'll be like these dissonant passing tones that are there and they create a little bit of a ooh in the body, but then they will resolve and it will feel so much better because we need the darkness in order to appreciate the light. We need the dissonance and the minor keys in order to understand and enjoy the major keys and the resolution from a tritone. We need, we need the dark colors in our paintings so that we can let those bright colors pop and show up and be there more. Just think of all these things in life that would not be as beautiful as they are if they didn't have that opposition. Thank you so much for joining me today. Feel free to reach out to me anytime if you have any questions, if you have any questions about what I talked about today or in any of my past podcasts. And again, I would really love to hear from you and I would really love to hear your story because everyone has a story and we're all kind of in the middle of our story. I need you to know that you are loved and that you matter no matter who you are or where you are in your story. We'll see you next week. Have a good one. Thank you so much for joining me in the middle of my story. My theme music is White Linen by Asher Child. He's my kid. You can find all of his amazing music on all streaming platforms. And you know, it just wouldn't be a podcast if I didn't ask you to subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. But seriously, it would really mean so much to me if you did. Thank you so much and see you next time.